Come on, let's give God some praise. Oh, I said, let's give the Lord some praise. Look down the road and tell you the person next to you, as good as God has been to you, you ought to give him better praise than that. Hallelujah. How many of y'all just love Jesus? Come on, you love the Lord. You're not playing. You're not going through the motions. Back in the day, folk would testify, and they would say, not for shape, form, or fashion. Anybody remember that? I think we have gotten away from some of the principles that our elders and our, our forerunners tried to instill in us, and we become so uh, about us. Everything nowadays is about me. What, what's good for me? What's in it for me? Uh, how about me? Me, myself, and I, we have become a me-oriented society. Not just in America, but I'm going to say the worldwide. Everybody's just focused on themselves. Uh, when the truth of the matter, we will never, ever please God until we learn how to put somebody else in front of ourselves. Come on, saints of God. The Bible says we esteem others more highly than ourselves. It doesn't mean that you somehow have become insignificant or unimportant, that you don't matter. Uh, look at somebody real quick and tell them you do matter. But if we really, really want to be in the will of God, if we want to be pleasing to him and make a difference in this world, we have got to know that it's not just about me. Um, back in the day, our choir was saying that song, uh, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. How many of y'all remember that? It's not about us. It is about Jesus. We're always excited, always happy to be at Hopewell. Praise the Lord. Come on, give it up for Hopewell. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, a ministry and the people that we love, uh, it goes without saying, I love the community of Carbondale. Uh, I can't just say the city of Carbondale. I have to say the community of Carbondale. It's interesting how God works. Uh, sometimes we, we, because we're not at Tikyon, we don't know the end from the beginning. Uh, we, we start off and we have no idea where God is ultimately leading us to. You know, I don't want to talk about how many years ago when I was an undergrad at Southern. It's been a long time, praise the Lord. Uh, it's been several decades, uh, praise the Lord. It's, it's been a little while, amen? Uh, and as an undergrad, I never really knew Carbondale. I knew SIU. And this is before the mall was the size that it is now. Uh, some of y'all can remember, uh, was it Walgreens was in the mall? They would serve breakfast. At, at, they had a restaurant in there. Anybody remember that? Uh, praise the Lord. When uh, the movie theater was actually on the other end as to where it's now located, I, I never knew anything about that. Didn't have money to shop at the, the famous stores. But uh, uh, y'all remember when JCPenney used to be for folk who didn't have a whole lot of money? And then over the years, it just kind of evolved into Jacques Panay's. Uh, anybody remember that? Praise the Lord. And so I, I knew where Southern was. I knew where J.C. Penney was. And I knew my way out of Carbondale. Had no idea that God was already doing something uh, unbeknownst to myself, uh, preparing me for what he would ultimately have me to do. I never saw myself coming back to Carbondale. I just wanted to get done with school. I need some witnesses out there. I wasn't really even thinking about what I was going to do next. I just wanted to be done with school. Uh, and, you know, when you're a freshman, you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was told that there was a light, but I had no idea, idea about that light. Not only that light, but I had no idea about the light of the world. Praise the Lord. I came here a sinner and, uh, you know, I understood going through religious motions and, uh, you know, participating in religious ceremony, but I had no relationship with the Lord Jesus. I'd heard people talk about going in the water, a dry devil and coming up a wet devil. Anybody can say that was me. <clears throat> Come on, somebody. Uh, we all had our different motivations, our different reasons for joining the church. In my case, I, I wanted to be able to participate in communion because all my cousins could, could receive communion. Y'all remember back in the day, if you weren't saved, if you weren't baptized, you couldn't get the, the, the Welch's grape juice and the crackers. Praise the Lord. We didn't have the little fancy stuff now. We, you know, we, we've grown up at the praise and worship down in Pulaski, Illinois. We have little uh, compartmentalized communion elements. You just peel the top off. There's an unleavened wafer beneath that. Then you've got the juice, and sometimes it's kind of suspect. I mean, we don't know if it's been fermented or not, uh, but we, 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 because it represents the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we consume anyway. 
And so I wanted to, and I didn't even really understand what the preacher was saying. I always thought he said it was time to immune together. And so I wanted us immune together to be like my cousins. And so I went up, shook the preacher's hand, amen. And that qualified me, not that Sunday, but the next first Sunday. And I don't know what it was about first Sunday. You couldn't have communion back then on second Sunday. I need some help here. Praise the Lord. Uh, if it wasn't first Sunday, somehow it was not sanctified or consecrated. So I could not wait. That meant I would have to wait for a month before I could participate. But there was no change in my behavior. Praise the Lord. I, I'm going somewhere. That's a, that's a word. That's a word. But, but let, me, let me make sure that uh, I cover all the bases. I want to make sure I cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Before I go any further, let me just take a moment to just speak highly of my spiritual son. Y'all better give it up for Pastor Christopher Swims and Lady Swims. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I love me some swims, amen. Awesome, dynamic, young man of God, a humble servant of God. Uh, despite the great work he's doing here, if I'm preaching somewhere, he'll just pop up and just make himself my armor bearer. I don't, I don't need to ask for anything. He'll come running with a towel if I'm sweating profusely. He still knows how to serve, and that's why I love Chris. I love your pastor. You have a dynamic pastor. I'm just so godly proud. I'm godly proud to call him my spiritual son, and I think Hopewell ought to be proud of him. If, if don't nobody else celebrate Christopher E. Swims, y'all should be celebrating him. Praise the Lord. Make him feel appreciated. I'm trying to finish uh, a next book that, that's dealing with leadership, and, and one of the chapters basically deals with the fact that uh, ministry is dirty work. It's hard work, and sometimes you feel unappreciated, um, primarily by the people that you've been charged with the responsibility of trying to get them into the blessings of God, just trying to get them into heaven, trying to get them in God's presence. And sometimes that can be a, a very hurtful thing. It can be a very trying thing. It's not that you get mad at people has nothing to do with you not loving people. How many of y'all know at the end of the day, the pastor and lady swim, they're flesh and blood just like you. Praise the Lord. So I, I do want to make sure I do that. And we give honor to God and to all of you God's children in your respective places. I better get to this message. I feel like preaching. Praise the Lord. I want to behave. Uh, amen. I don't want Chris to come back and say, uh, you know, apostle, doctor, uh, spiritual father, you can't come back never no more. Now, I will tell you this, anytime he's at the Praise and Worship Center, he really acts as though he's auditioning to be the next pastor. And I keep telling him, look, we have a pastor here. You know, and God, God hadn't shown me that I'm getting ready to leave the scene of duty quite yet, so you can just chill out a little bit, bro. Let's go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, thank God for uh, Minister Ford. Y'all give it up for him as well. Praise the Lord. We thank God for you. We love him, praise the Lord, and what God is doing in your life. What an awesome thing that you all are doing, getting ready for school, you know, just 2,000 backpacks, praise the Lord. What an awesome thing that is. We don't have 2,000 people down in Pulaski, praise God, but uh, we, we applaud what you're doing here. And we, how many of you know that everybody has a part? Some folk may have to uh, pack 10 backpacks, other folk may have to pack 2,000 and other folk have to do some other stuff. God has not put everything in one person, but he's given us all a part to play in the kingdom. Amen. When you really do understand this about Jesus, you'll, you'll get that. Well, thank God for this praise team. Y'all give it up for them. Praise the Lord. Like, like any, any proud dad, you know, I just got to say, y'all know that was my daughter up there singing, right? Praise the Lord. Y'all better bless us to Christine. Amen. Awesome, awesome young woman of God. Second Samuel chapter number six. Come on, grab those Bibles. We're going to ask that you will stand as we read from the Holy Scriptures. Uh, Caleb, look in that bag and get me some help. Get those reading glasses out. Sometimes I start acting like I'm almost grown. You start looking at those words and they just kind of move around. But uh, thank God for, for reading glasses. I'm going to begin reading at verse number six, chapter six, second Samuel, very, very familiar passage of scripture. And the word of God says, and when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah or Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. 
And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord had blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now let's go back and read verse 13 together, which is really going to be our focal point. Verse 13 says, And it was so that when they that brought the bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Look at somebody and tell them, my next step. Tell somebody else, my next step. Tell one other person, my next step. Now, come on, put those hands together and give God a praise. Hallelujah. On your way to your seat, just look around and tell somebody, I really love you. Hallelujah. I also want to recognize my very, very best friend on the planet, uh, my beautiful wife of more than 42 years, a lovely sister Carol. Amen. God bless you. We thank God for her. And I'm always a Excited to see St. John wherever I go. Thank God we have our, some of our deacons with us here, our associate ministers, and uh, praise the Lord. We thank God for St. John. Thank God for my children and grandchildren. It is a blessing. The Word of God talks about blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Uh, we have some dear friends in East Africa, and uh, his son, uh, Bishop Joseph's son, Isaac, had had two sons, and I said, Isaac, you look like you're ready for some more children. He said, no, pasta. My quiver is full, and he was done with that thing. But we thank God, amen, for all the children that God has blessed us with. Can, can I just submit to you that there are times when uh, your breakthrough, your miracle, your deliverance, the thing that you have prayed for the most, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us is just on the horizon. I know it don't seem like it. Sometimes it seems as though you've been praying earnestly for such a long time, but your condition, your predicament, your situation simply has no change. But I want to encourage the people of God to know this, that God is not slack concerning his promises toward you. When God says a thing, God will also bring that thing to pass. I've learned in the time I've been on this planet that if I can't trust anyone else, I can trust the Lord. Come on, somebody, you can trust Jesus. You can trust him with everything and everyone that you have. I believe that every now and then we get a little bit arrogant and presumptuous, and we act as though we cannot trust God with our most precious possessions. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but my most precious possessions can never be purchased with money. My most precious possessions cannot be built with brick, mortar, and clay. The most precious things that I have, saints of God, it cannot be swapped nor traded for. How many of you understand that it's the people in your life? It's your relationship with God. Those are the precious things in your life. Stuff comes and goes. How many of y'all had new cars that you looked around and all of a sudden there's a rust spot on that car that used to be new? It's only new until you get in it and you drive it off the parking lot. After that, it's a used car. Come on, somebody. But the relationships that God allows us to be knitted together, bonded together with, those are things that are so precious to us. And, and every now and then, uh, you start worrying about or thinking about your children. Now, if you got grown kids, how many of you know they steal your kids? Praise the Lord. All my children are grown, got a grown granddaughter. Praise the Lord. And, and I had to come to the understanding that God could protect them far better than I could. 
that, that if they were going somewhere, there was no need for me to worry. If I did not worry about them when they were in my presence, how dare me not trust God when I could not see them? Oh, you're going to catch that in just a minute. Uh, sometimes we that have grown children, we understand that they may be chronologically grown. They may pay their own bills, have their own zip code. I need to shout right there. Praise the Lord. How many of y'all glad your kids out your pocket? I, I knew I'd get some witnesses right about that. I'm so glad. I'm glad that their bills have their names on them. That's an exciting proposition for me. But it does not mean that I don't concern myself with my nephews. They're grown. They're bigger than I am. They got their own families. Glad about that. Hallelujah. But you still concern yourself with the things that they are going through. And God reminds me that he watches by day and by night. I can trust him. I can trust him with whatever. And so those prayers that you have sent up, those requests, the petitions that you have before the Lord, you, you have to get the world out of your business. You, you have to get other folk out of your business and keep your focus and your trust on the Lord. Uh, unfortunately, our blessings, our miracles are oftentimes hindered. Watch the saints of God, not by other folk, but because we've adopted the world's view of our own personal predicaments. We, we walk according to the ways of this world. But the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm not supposed to look at what I'm going through in the same manner that the world does. My, my perception ought to be different than those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a tendency for us to agree with those who have no relationship with the Lord whatsoever regarding our circumstances and our situations. If they declare, somebody catch this, somebody catch this today. If they declare that we are in a no-win situation, we seem to forget that the word of God declare, declares that we are more than a conqueror. Why am I listening to someone who does not know how to fight the way I fight? People will look at the task that's in front of you and they will decree and declare that's an impossible thing. We forget about what, listen, let me go to the word real quick. Paul says in Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Who are they to tell me what I can or cannot accomplish? If God says I can get it done, I can get it done. You may be going through the university right now. Maybe you're confronted with a course that's difficult and challenging. Maybe you even failed that course before. But if God before you, who can be against you? I'm choosing to believe God. People will even have, watch this, doubters and unbelievers will tell you that your health condition is an impossible thing for you to overcome, that there's no recovery, your prognosis is dire, and you are simply not going to make it because their Aunt Susie had the same thing and she died. Sometimes we fail to recollect or fail to remember that he is Jehovah Rapha, he's the Lord God who healeth you. We put more stock and what other folks say who have never embraced your Lord. Everybody can't call him Adonai. Can I teach this a little bit? In order for you to be able to truly call him Adonai and that be appropriate, you must then have submitted to his divine will and you are declaring that he is my Lord and my master. He's not just the Lord. He's not just God, but he's my Lord. He's my God and he's my master. Now, if he be my master, that means, watch this. Now, I know ethnically some of y'all have a problem with this. That means that literally I belong to him. Well, well, here's the word. Here's the word that we don't like. I'm God's property. Pastor, I ain't nobody's property. I'm free. The Emancipation Proclamation that was signed by Abraham Lincoln was limited in scope in the first place. Y'all do know it did end slavery. All right, let me leave that alone. I, I didn't come to teach that. What we have to understand is that we are emancipated through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not unto ourselves, but unto him. The concept of free moral agency, and I didn't come to, to start a religious debate. The concept of free moral agency is somewhat questionable if you're truly sold out to the Lord. What we are saying then that when I got saved, when I accepted him, I surrendered my free moral agency and I said to God, not my will, but your will be done. That that means then that God is in control. He's in charge. And so if God says go here, I'll go there. If God says go over there, I'll go over there. If God says do this, i do this. If he says do that, then I must do that. For me to do otherwise means then that I have somehow usurped authority over the God that I recognize as Lord and Savior. 
I choose to believe God. Just for a few minutes, I I want you to consider that there is a direct correlation um, between what we say and what we release out of our mouths and the outcomes that we could expect to follow. Hmm. Sometimes the best advice for the child of God is to simply shut up. Now, now, please don't be offended. Don't, don't go and say, that preacher came up here to all of us to shut up. Now, that's not what I said. I said sometimes the very best advice for the child of God is to simply shut up. Come on, somebody. We, we talk too much. Do I have a witness? Come on, y'all. I know it's not you, but how many of y'all know folks just talk too much? I mean, you love them, but you know they just talk too much. I'm not very good in terms of being a conversationalist over the phone. If I get a phone call, man, I try to keep them short. (laughs) I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But after a while, the phone gets hot on my face. I just don't really like to be on the phone. I would rather be in person. I I would rather. How many of y'all fall in love with technology a little bit? Come on, I'm starting to like it a little bit. I I didn't like all that texting business at first. In fact, my, my father, before he died, he would tell me, don't be texting me. I'm like, Daddy, you know, I got a hundred things to do. It's easy for me to just answer you, but I said, don't you text me. You call me up. And so him being Daddy, okay, uh, if I really needed to say something, I knew don't waste your time texting because he ain't going to respond no way. So I just had to call him up, have the conversation. But I've gotten to the point now, I like to just text people because I can do that and get over whatever I do next. I'm not saying y'all talk too much, but maybe it's me. Some people just talk all the time and they talk without sense. They talk without relevancy. Sometimes it's just a pointless conversation. Watch this. Proverbs 18 and 21, the word of God says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Uh, God framed the world that was. He framed that world by his spoken word. God spoke things, came into existence. There's always a corresponding action behind everything that God says. If God says, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Now, somebody need to run with that real quick because if God said you're blessed, then what you're going through becomes irrelevant. If God says you're blessed, then nobody can curse you because God has blessed you. If God said you're coming out, it doesn't matter what it looks like or what it feels like. When God says you're coming out, then you must also come out. He said, my word will not return to me void. In other words, it's not coming back empty. It's going to prosper in the things that I purposed it to do. It's an awesome thing where you understand that every word that God speaks about you, it has a specific assignment. Come on, somebody. That, that, that's the reason why. Let me help parents. Kids get ready to go back to school. Uh, you know, school can be taxing. Kids will go to school. They will do stuff. And you know the teacher's always wrong. And, of course, the principal is never right. And so you get these phone calls that are frustrating you. And your kid comes home. You're tired of the school. You're tired of the administration, the teachers, the aides. You're tired of the bus driver. You're tired of everything associated with school, including your own son and daughter. And your profession is they are driving me crazy. We need to change what it is that we're releasing from our mouths. We're speaking those things that are not as though they were. We will say that when it's something positive. I want a new car. So we'll go around professing all that. I'm getting a new car. I'm getting a new car. I'm getting a new car. And we somehow think the more I say that, the more God is impressed. (laughs) Help us, Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. And we'll say that about that. We'll speak that over our health. But, But then when it comes to something that's negative, we allow that to take precedence over what God says. So so if God says that children are a blessing from the Lord, how then can I say my children are driving me crazy? I made a promise to myself a long time ago. My oldest daughter, Kayla, she would be 41 now. So over 41 years ago, I prospered in my mind, I purposed in my mind that my children would never drive me crazy. Now, they may grow up a little bit loony, but mama and daddy, we were going to be okay. I refused to have my sanity over to somebody that I was feeding and taking care of and trying to raise. They could think that mom and dad is crazy. We might act crazy to them, but we are embracing the sanity that God has given us. We have to make sure we understand there is a connection between what you are professing and what you can expect to receive. Do I have a witness this morning? There there are times, there are times, saints of God, in which our faith is short-circuited because we fail to understand or acknowledge that our faith must and will be tried. We don't want to go through stuff. 
Lord, give me your blessings. Give me your stuff. Make my dreams come true. My aspirations are to have everything that I hope and work and desire to have. But yet, we don't want to go through anything. Don't let me suffer. Don't let me experience any persecutions. I don't want to work too hard. I don't mind working a little bit, but don't let this be overwhelming to me. And so we want God to send everything to us on a silver platter. We like to go to Matthew. You know, Jesus said something that was very interesting, and I love this. Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord begins to tell us, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I love that. Come on, somebody. Elsewhere, the Lord said, there's nobody who has left mother, father, houses and land, brothers and sisters, who should I receive even more in this life? He says even a hundredfold. But watch this. Watch this. He qualifies that. Preaching says, and with that, persecutions. But don't persecute me. I want to be socially acceptable and politically correct. If this gospel that I preach, if it's offensive to anyone, Lord, allow me to tone it down. Let me sugarcoat it so that I might be palatable to the ears of those who don't really know you. And so we have people who come to church. They're faithful. Thank God for people who are faithful in attendance. But just simply coming to the building is insufficient. You must have relationship. And with relationship, there needs to be accountability, responsibility, and obedience. I, I, don't, want, I don't want all that other stuff, God. I'll go. I'll go. I might even bring my tithe and offering. I'll go. I might participate a little bit. But the rest of that, when I leave the church, I leave the church. Quite a conundrum in the body of Christ. When people can spot you in a community and they are shocked when they discover you're going to church. <laughs> what a sad testimony. And I see you coming out of Hopewell. But you're staggering out of here. All right, preacher, you're dipping, you're dipping, you're dipping. You're messing in folk business. Praise the Lord. You know, sometimes Jesus can be uh, paradoxical in, in the things he tells us. Let me, let me just, let me, let me try this out a little bit. In John 10, 10, we know the first part of John 10, 10 says the thief coming not but to kill, steal, and to destroy. Is that right? But, but let's look at the second part of that same verse. Second part of that same verse, he said, but I've come that they might have life and that more abundantly. And we embrace that. How many of y'all love that? Are y'all real quiet, Hope? Well, praise the Lord. Let me speak for me. Y'all think I'm trying to set you up. I ain't trying to set you up. I love that verse. Praise the Lord. I love the fact that Jesus came so that I can have abundant life. Where there's abundance, then there's no scarcity, there's no lack, there's no poverty where there is abundance. It doesn't just mean your pocketbook, but it also means in my mind, I've got peace of mind. I've got joy in my spirit. When you live that abundant life, you are able to do the things that you need to do with contentment. Come on, somebody. You can be like the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I've learned that in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. I'm not frustrated by life when I walk in the abundance of Jesus. But, but I told you it was paradoxical. It can be confusing because later Later, five chapters later, he says something different. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. Watch what he says. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, here's the part. Therefore, the world hateth you. All right. But, but then he's even more confusing because he tells you to love your enemies. But you said you came that I would have abundant life. That, that seems to be confusing to me that you expect me to run this race with joy and anticipation and expectation. But all these other things you are throwing out in front of me. Saints of God, it is impossible to run this race, to run this journey outside of faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't care what you got in the bank. Your title becomes irrelevant. We, we have become so title-driven now. You know, if you ain't calling me the right reverend, doctor, whatever, bishop emeritus and suffragette bishop and, and superintendent and moderator, if you forget my title, I'm offended because you didn't recognize who I think I am in the body of Christ. But it is faith that moves God and not your title. Matter of fact, the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can bring all the money you want to bring and not have faith. 
You can do it out of a sense of obligation. And, and sometimes, can we be, be, be real honest? You, folk like it when I get on preachers. Let me get real honest about some preachers. Some preachers have the ability, they have the gift to make people feel ashamed to not put some money in. They know how to work it. Come on, somebody. They know how to get that last dime you got. And matter of fact, you'll put it in. No, you can't even pay the light bill. You don't, don't stop giving now. Come on, let, let, me, let, me, let me qualify. Don't stop giving. What I'm saying to you is that you don't have to beg or cajole people, harass people, or coerce them out of anything. The Bible says God loveth a cheerful giver. So, so you can give a ton of money, but give it grudgingly. And I submit to you, you should have just kept that. Come on, somebody. It's not going to benefit you. If you can't give it by faith, if you can't give it in love, if you can't give it as a form of worship, as a form of praise, you might as well have kept that. It's not going to profit you anything. Faith has to go through fiery trials in order for it to grow and be developed. Your muscles would atrophy if you never work them out. Sit on that pew too long. Someone will have to help you get up. Or I need some AARP folk right here. I need some senior citizens right here. Come on, somebody. Man, look here. Uh, when I was the age of some of these younger folk, I sit down, I just pop right up off. Now I got to think about getting up. <laughs> Do I have a witness? I, mean, I had an experience the other day. I, I try to, listen, let, let me talk to my nephews, praise the Lord, because they're going to love me anyway. I try to do some things that stay a little bit healthy. Well, I try to stay healthy, praise the Lord. Uh, and so I'll get up in the morning, and I'll put in six or seven miles. I'll get up and just go walking. So the other day, I was feeling pretty good. I got my miles in, and I thought, well, preacher, you need to cut your grass. And I told Carol, I said, you know what? I'm not even going to take off all these sweaty clothes. I'm just going to put on some blue jeans so the thorns and the briars won't get me while I'm on my ride and more. And it takes me about three and a half hours to cut my grass. So I, I, I go out there and I get on that more. Man, I'm just cutting. I'm thinking about the goodness of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Oh, how I love him. I'm thinking about how God has blessed me, how he kept me. I need a witness right about that. You ever do something, you just start thinking about how good God is, and you start forgetting about time. I'm riding, I'm cutting grass, and, and dust is flying, I'm cutting grass grass. I'm just doing my thing. Lord, I'm so grateful. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for being so good. I even thank you for this lawnmower that you've given me to take care of this acreage. I'm just grateful to God. Come on, somebody. Glad I'm getting to go to Hopewell on Sunday. And then by the time I, I got to something, I needed to get off the mower to move a limb out of the way. So I, I put the thing in neutral, disengaged the blades because I ain't trying to cut my own feet off. Praise God. Jumped off the mower let me correct that. Slid off the moor. <clears throat> I, I slid off the moor and I proceeded to walk and nothing wanted to work. Right. I said, wait a minute here. Something ain't right. And so I found myself walking like Jay Clamper, trying to get over to just pick up the limb. Get to the limb. And you know, you, when, you, when you're young and healthy, you just bend down and grab it. After a while, you got to kind of squat down. So I'm, I'm getting down like I'm getting ready to be a back catcher and, and grab the limb. And then I have to think about you got to get back up now. When you don't use it, you're bound to lose it. Tell your neighbor my next step. When we understand the principles and the working of faith, you can deal with any situation, any circumstance that might come your way. I'm not talking about you going around chatting. Ooh, I know I might get, I might get some, some negative vibes here. You know, I think I told him at the praise and worship, said everybody worried about vibes now. I don't like the vibes you're sending now. You're sending negative vibes. I couldn't stay there in that church, negative vibes. And, and God ain't interested in no vibes. Because sometimes if we're honest, the word of God, uh, it, it will prick you. When you out of order, you ain't getting no positive vibes. You've been acting a fool all week, and you want God to give you some positive vibes. You done cussed everybody out. You gave people a one-digit wave on your way to church, and you expected some positive vibes. Selfish and stingy, but you want positive vibes. I need to fill the vibes up in here. No, what we need is the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Your vibes don't move God. He, he's not interested in your vibes. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in your spirit. What is the condition of your mind? Has your mind been transformed? That's what God is interested in. And, and so watch this because what we seem to forget, saints of God, that, that you can't chant your way out of hell. You can't chant your way out of poverty. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Light bill still get a disconnect notice. 
The repo still shows up while you chant. I believe, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God. And Satan is not impressed. You can rebuke Satan all you want to. Y'all done got quiet now. Oh, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. You can plead the blood all you want to, but if you ain't covered by the blood, it's not going to be effective. You haven't been washing the blood, plead it all you want to. All right, come on, sons of Sceva. I got to hurry up. I got to get to David. Praise the Lord. Sons of Sceva, they go in to cast out this devil. Y'all know the story. Come on, somebody. And they go in and they say, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And the devil start talking back. Know all about Jesus. Even know about Paul. But who are you? And the word of God says the man leaped upon them and whipped them out of their clothes. It's bad to go to somebody else's house and get whooped butt naked. It's in the book. It's in the book. Don't take my word. Get on in the book of Acts. You'll find it. Praise the Lord. We have to understand that faith doesn't mean that I'm repetitive, but it means that I am embracing that I believe I take ownership and what it is that I'm releasing. I'm serving him. That that's where my faith comes from. My faith is not blind. It is not ignorant. It is not stupid nor unaware of what I'm going through, but it requires more than me just saying, I know God will make a way somehow. How many of y'all said that and God didn't make the way? You, you don't have to put your hand up. I know you did it. Praise the Lord. Because we really were not trusting God to make that way. And we were walking by our own devices. All right, watch this. You, you, you needed something. You had a financial need and you got your checkbook out. That's good. Praise the Lord. You begin to add up the numbers and you figured out there was no way on earth that you could afford that. Now you've asked God to bless you, help make a way for this thing to come to pass that you desperately needed. And so rather than you trusting God, you went and got your visa and your master and you apply for discover only to understand that now I am indeed a slave to the card that was not walking by faith that was you or me trying to manipulate the situation you've asked God to, to to save your son your daughter to deliver them and then you spend the next five years sleepless nights worrying and crying about a son or a daughter who's doing whatever it is that they want to do it could be your brother your sister husband or wife when we are praying we cannot incorporate worry into our prayers if you're going to trust God then you must release it and let God handle it but pastor I was waiting on God to do this and they got worse and not better but if God said he was going to do it it doesn't matter how long you think it's taking one day where the Lord is as a thousand years a thousand years is as one day we must yet remain faithful and steadfast in the things that we're believing God for I'm just trying to tell you that faith goes beyond rhetoric and it moves with action. Are oh, you hear what I'm saying? It's the movement of faith, not the rhetoric of faith. People can talk about it, but can you walk it? We can talk about holiness, but holiness is beyond a dress style. And yes, while I'm there, let me say this, it ought to influence your dress style. Ooh, it's quiet up in here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It, it ought to influence what I put on or what I don't put on. My, 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 my holiness, my, my faith, that lifestyle, it should govern what comes out of my mouth. I should seek to make sure that my conversations are seasoned with grace, not with foolishness, not with gossip, and certainly not with a bunch of profanity. Someone asked me the other day, what you think about this preacher just cuss, cuss, cuss all the time? I said nothing. And I just kept on moving. Praise the Lord, somebody. I just don't see Jesus casting out demons using four-letter expletives. I just, anybody besides me? Come on. I don't see Jesus laying hands on the, the, the devil and saying, you blankety-blank ears, I command you to hear. All right. Preach your mind your business. I'm stirring up trouble. Let, let me get to this. Tell your neighbor my next step. As we live life, saints of God, it's really important. Uh, it's imperative that our faith and our praises to God, that it grow and matures. Your faith ought to grow and mature. Your faith, the anointing that was in your life when the Lord saved you. Now, you got to understand when you get saved, you get Jesus. Is that right? All right, y'all real quiet this morning. Again, not another trick question, but when you get saved, you get Jesus. Now, if Jesus is abiding on the inside, can I submit to you that you do have a level of anointing in your life? It's impossible for you to have Jesus and have no anointing. 
preacher, I didn't read that in the Bible. Wait a minute, his name was Jesus the Christ. His name ain't Jesus, last name Christ, son of Mary and Joseph Christ. That's not who he was. His name was Jesus the Christ. And Christ is from the Greek word Christos, meaning the anointed one. Are y'all in here with me? And so if I got Jesus on the inside, then there is a level of anointing in my life. Now that level of anointing, it may be hindered. It may be somehow suppressed. Maybe I, I'm, I'm holding it in abeyance. Maybe something that I'm doing in my life keeps it from being fully operational. God would take it to a new level. You should have greater faith now than you did when you first got saved. The stuff that moved you, hurt you, and caused you to be frustrated when you first got saved, it should not have that same impact in your life today. If you've been saved any length of time, you ought to be able to at least deal with a spiritual spring shower. It shouldn't just wash you away because somebody mistreated you, someone lied on you because your faith has been developed, it's been tried. I told you faith got to be tried. It must go through the fire. When you really understand faith, you're not praying, asking God to get you out of the fire, but you're praying to God to deliver you through the fire. There's some things that you must go through in order to get to. Let me say that again. There's some stuff you must go through in order to get to. I contend that there are many people who remember what God brought them out of have no idea what God is bringing them to. I know what you deliver me out of, but what are you delivering me to? God always has an end game. He would never leave your life open-ended. There is a plan for your life. He says in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts I think concerning you. So you are on the mind and the heart of God. But it takes faith to keep me there. Faith is more than me just talking about it. It's more than me just showing up at church. It's more than me just singing some song and offering up dry praise and incense your worship. Faith is so much more than that. It's faith that moves the heart of God. Let, let me just mess with somebody. We think the more tears and snot that we sling, the more impressed God is. God is not moved by your weeping or your crying. He saw it. He knew what you were going through. He understood that before you ever encountered the problem. Jesus put it this way. I know what things you stand in need of even before you ask. He knew that. But do you have the faith to ask and then believe? Now, here's the separation. Here's the separation. Here's how I know that I have faith to believe. When I have faith to believe, it's going to change my next step. Come on, somebody. When you're just praying and you really don't believe God is going to do it, Joseph, you keep doing what you always did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when I ask God for something and I believe that God is going to do what I've asked him to do, it changes my expectation. My expectation then will dictate my next step. It's going to govern my behavior. So I'm not walking around, not acting like or being depressed when I'm trusting God to bring me out of whatever it is I need to be brought out of. I'm not walking around with a negative testimony when God has blessed me and given me the faith to believe him. Regardless as to what the, the doctor's diagnosis and prognosis might be, my faith is in him. And if God says, I'm going to heal you, I might be sick for a long time. It doesn't mean that God's not going to heal me. As a matter of fact, when you really embrace that, you start acting like you got the healing the minute you ask God. Come on, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. How many of y'all have done the Daniel fast? We, many people have done the Daniel fast. Nothing wrong with doing the Daniel fast. But what we have to understand about the Daniel fast, Daniel never set out to fast for 21 days. That was not his goal. I know folk think it is, but that was not his goal. Nowhere does the text say, Dave, Daniel said, I'm fasting for the next 21 days. He was going to fast for as long as it took. If it had taken one day, then we would be doing a one-day Daniel fast. Had it been 40 days, we would have been trying to do that too. He waited until he got an answer from God. But here's the interesting thing about that narrative. When the angel finally gets to Daniel, he says, oh man of God, thou greatly beloved. He said, from the moment... That the words left your lips. I was coming with the answer. See, y'all missed that one. In other words, God didn't wait 21 days to answer him. He answered him right then and right there. He was just waiting there for the manifestation of the revelation of God. When God moves on your behalf, it's a done deal. Well, Pastor, how do you know? We know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Pastor, I don't get it. When I release it to God. I'm taking my hands off of it. I ain't crying about it no more. I'm not, not going to worry about them any longer. I'm not going to get no other credit card. That's kind of interesting anyway. How do you get out of debt by going into debt? 
I'm not, I'm not an economist. I'm, just, I'm not an economist. But somehow I don't think you can get MasterCard and then transfer the debt from your Visa card to that and be out of debt. All right, leave that alone. Well, but the interest rate is lower, but you're still in debt. All right, praise the Lord. You know what Paul says? Paul says we need to grow up. All right, yeah. Where's that at? First uh, Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says this. He said, when I was a child. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Paul said, I, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We've been in church for 30 years holding on to childish things. Lord have mercy. And part of our dilemma is that we believe that God operates by the Burger King mantra. You ain't getting it your way with God. I, I know we think we can. <laughs> because, you know, I believe. I believe, right? So if I say that long enough, God's going to let me do it my way. If I, if I do it long enough, God's going to somehow acquiesce. God is going to just, he's going to come off the throne and say, okay, keep doing it your way. I understand God doesn't operate that way. Can I tell you that God is immutable? God never changes. Let me get to this text real quick. And really to appreciate this text, you really need to go and read uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 15, which is a parallel uh, a, a chapter to this, and it gives you a little bit more insight. But, but here is a situation in which the man of God has a great desire to do a great thing. It's been said that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Just because I have a desire to do something that's right, uh, even something that's right in the eyes of God, my approach to doing that must be the way God says for me to do it. Lord, help us. See, we think we, think we can get to heaven by some other method, that we don't have to do it that way. And so people have a thing that's called relative truth. Relative truth says, pretty much if I can just do it uh, in a nutshell, relative truth says that might be true for us Christians, but it's not true for the rest of the world. But the Bible deals with absolute truths. It deals with absolute right and wrong. And I'm a believer of Jesus. I don't have no other ecumenical anything that would get me into glory except Jesus. Now watch what Jesus says. Jesus said, I'm the way. Come on, somebody. I'm the way. So, so that would indicate there is no other way. You can chant. You can throw money at it. I don't care what you do. There's no other way to get to him other than you go through Christ Jesus. That's the only way. He's the only way. So here David is. David, if you go back and you read the text, you'll find that the Ark of the Covenant of God has been taken away from Israel for quite some time. During the entire reign of King Saul, the ark is not there. The, the ark, the mercy seat, y'all know all about that. Praise the Lord. It was always supposed to be in the possession of Israel. And so now David shows up. Matter of fact, the, the Philistines couldn't even hang on to it because it kept killing all of them. So they said, get the ark out of here. And it ends up in Abinadab's place. And so he decides, I'm going to get the ark of God. Bring it back to the city of David. What an awesome thing. And if you go back and you read the narrative, the people are shouting, they're dancing, they're praising. I mean, they have a good church, y'all. Y'all don't get real quiet. Praise the Lord. Everybody's involved. There are no spectators. Everybody's a participator. They got the musical instruments. They are going. The musicians are going all the way in. The singers, they're singing their hearts out. Everybody's involved in this praise and worship service, and rightly so, because they're going to get the Ark of the Covenant of God. But what we need to focus on, we can run around this church all we want to come on somebody i don't care how dynamic the praise team is i don't care how stupendous your praise might be and we can still displease god when we do it our way and not god's way god is not accepting everything and you would think you would think you would think that god is pleased with them because of this praise party i mean you talk about jubilation it's exuberant everybody's going in that's an awesome thing you know i love it when the whole church is on fire when everybody's excited about the word when everybody's praising when everybody's shouting I love those types of services. Do I have a witness in here? There's something about the atmosphere that changes when God's people get on one accord. It doesn't matter who the preacher is. It doesn't matter what song they sing. They may go back and get one of those old anthems uh, that people don't even sing anymore. But the Spirit of the Lord begins to move. Uh, he begins to shake some things up. He begins to turn some stuff around. Healing breaks out. Deliverance breaks out. You find breakthrough just all over the sanctuary. It's an awesome thing. 
thing when God's people get together when we really really have a praise party you know that praise party you go one way the weave goes the other way you go one way the tie comes off shoes go over here people are just going in that's the kind of praise party that was going on but there was something that was fundamentally wrong with David's plan of action he goes down I get to hurry up I'm running out of time he goes down to get the ark and the Bible says the sons of Abinadab Ahio and Uzzah they were going before the ark Ahio driving it and Uzzah he's walking beside the ark and all of a sudden the ox begin to stumble and the ark begins to tip over and Uzzah puts his hands on the ark to steady the ark Lord have mercy we were doing good and then all of a sudden people began to gossip in the back row we were doing good in the parking lot prophets showed up in the bathroom y'all ain't saying nothing up in here we were doing good until they got to the offering and all of a sudden our level of praise began to diminish I, I need some help right about there what is it about money that makes people get quiet when everybody wants some come on somebody and the church needed just like everybody else does you can't keep these lights on without money you can't keep the sound equipment going without proper finances you ain't stuffing no backpacks unless somebody donated something somewhere why do we get quiet and uptight when it comes to giving you need to be more of a giver than you are a receiver as a man soweth the scripture says so shall he also reap I love to give because I can't be God giving do I have a witness right about there but here they are now Uzzah's hand is on the ark and God does something that's unimaginable you would think God would have appreciated that you would have think that Uzzah was helping God out by steadying the ark but the Bible says that God broke out upon him if you go back and look it up that name Perez Uzzah it means an explosion on Uzzah he puts his hand and God kills him come on somebody you've been praising but you're still suffering shouting but ain't nothing working reading your Bible but no breakthrough fasting and praying but no deliverance and so it looks like God must not be on your side as I hurry to a close you got to understand something you can't do it your way and God be pleased David gotta get chapter 15 first Chronicles to understand it David goes back now the Bible says he became afraid of God that day how are you going to be scared of God? God has brought him through so many things. But this day, he's two things. He's afraid of God. Maybe three things. Because he's confused. And the Bible says the thing that God did displeased David. Come on. I'm scared. I'm confused. I might be a little bit upset with God. So he's too intimidated now to move the ark any further. He says, no, park it right there at Obed-Edom's house. He goes back. He's going to forget about it. Lord, help us. Your next step. Don't, don't forget about what God has already done in your life. Your next step. Don't forget the effectiveness of your praise. Your next step. Don't you forget who it is that fights all of your battles for you. Your next step. Make sure you understand it was God who took you from where you were to where you are right now. You better measure that next step. Because David goes back. He's afraid of the ark. He's sitting back in the city of Jerusalem. And somebody comes and says, everything that Obed-Edom has is being blessed. He's blessed above measure. It must be because of the ark of God. And so David begins to see God. How can I bring the ark to me? How can I get it back to the city of David? If you go back and look at 1 Chronicles, you will discover that David said, we did it wrong the first time. He went to the Pentateuch. He got in the book. And he discovered Uzzah should never have been there in the first place because the ark can only be carried by the Levites not only the Levites but they must have staves made of gold to support the weight of the ark put it in the rings come on somebody when you do it God's way it's always going to work when you praise it because of God it's going to do what it's supposed to do and the Bible says he said now I know now I know it's good to know what God has said rather than what folk are saying it's a good thing when you have divine revelation 
revelation. It's an awesome experience when God has spoken to you. Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice. They follow me. It's an awesome experience when you know that you know that you know that God must be on my side. And the Bible declares that David went back down to Obed-Edom's house. And when he got there, he got the Levites. Come on, somebody. He had a crown with him. He said, all right, you sons of Aaron, all of you priests, get yourselves consecrated. Now let's go down to Obed-Edom's house. And when they got there, the Bible says he got the rods, put it in the rings, and they put it upon the shoulders of the Levites. Some people are anointed to do one thing. Other folk are anointed to do something different. David had to make sure I can't operate like the shepherd boy now. In this season, I can't be the musician. In this season, I can't have time to write all the beautiful songs I've been writing. It's in this season in which I have no time to put on the armor of King Saul and then shake it over and go out and face the giant Goliath with my five smooth stones. In this season, I've got to put on that king anointing. In this season, I've got to be more humble than I ever had before. The more God blesses you, the more humble you need to become. The more God shows up in your life, the more submitted you ought to become. The more he blesses you, the more you need to bless somebody else. Because the Bible says that David, they went down and when they got the ark, I'm trying to land this plane now. The word of God says he began to walk. Can't you see it in your mind? They took one step, followed by another one. But then they took the third step, fourth step, and then the fifth step occurred. But it was that next step. That's the one I'm talking about. It was the sixth step. On the sixth step, the Bible declares that they stopped right there. In the book of Psalms, there's a word called Selah. Selah is generally interpreted to mean a musical note, a technical thing in music whereby you pause or you interrupt something or you accentuate what you're about to play. I'm just trying to tell you that every now and then you need a Selah moment in which you interrupt what you've been doing and which you put a pause on everything. Turn the phone off. Turn the plate over. Turn the TV off and get somewhere along with God and make sure your next step is going to be your best step. The Bible says they began to shout and they began to dance. Everybody went up in flames. I came to tell you Hopewell. Make sure make very sure be crystal clear that your next step is a God step and not a good step. Make sure your next step is in the will of God and not based upon what other folk have to say. Make sure your next step is a praise step. When the praises went up, somebody ought to be shouting right about them. Breakthrough came. When the praises went up, deliverance showed up. When the praises went up, everything got intense. He accentuated the goodness of God in his life. No wonder the songwriter said, order my steps in your word, dear Lord. I need a witness right about them. I'm glad. I said, I'm so glad that when you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and acknowledge him in all your ways, he will. I said he will, Hopewell. He will, St. John. He'll direct your path. It does not matter what it feels like. The symptoms might be present. Keep on praising. The bank account might look empty. Keep on praising. I heard him say he is Jehovah Jireh. He's the God who will provide. All hell might be breaking out in your life. I came to encourage you. Hold on. Keep on holding on. He is Jehovah Shalom. He's the God of your peace. I need a witness right about there. Aren't you glad he walks with you and he talks with you? The songwriter says and he tells me I am his own. It's good. It's real good to know. My next step. My next step. Tell your neighbor, make sure your next step is your best step. Tell somebody else, make sure your next step is your best step. Not because I made it, but because I made it in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here 
and you've been walking by your own devices, it's always appropriate to pause and extend that invitation that Jesus extended when he suffered, when he bled, when he died on the cross of Calvary. I'm so glad that I'm a member of the whosoever will crowd. If you say, if you're a member also, because he said that, whosoever will, let him come. Drink freely of the waters of life. Listen to me, saints, if you're sick in your body, I still believe in the power of prayer. I still see God's hands moving. I've seen God do some miraculous things. Closing holes and hearts without scalpel. Healing people from stage four cancer. I've seen the dead rise. God's good like that. And he's still good. See, what David forgot was the immutable nature of God. And when God said it, and the Pentateuch that only the Levites could carry that, and they had to do with the golden staves, he said it then. He meant it then. He meant it when Uzzah put his hands on the ark. You know, the word of God says in Malachi, I, the Lord God, I change not. In the New Testament, it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you stand in the need of prayer, we want to pray with you. Praise the Lord. We want to pray with you and pray for you. I believe, how many of y'all believe that God will bless someone? That he will do what we need him to do. That he goes beyond. I know he does. I know that he does. Not because I've heard it. Not simply because I've read it in the word of God. And yes, we ought to read the word of God, but I've tried it for myself. And I've seen God do some amazing things. We're going to ask that Minister Ford will come. Whatever you need. We're going to stay here with y'all. We'll pray all day we have to. I just believe in the power of God. Y'all give it up for your associate minister.